We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. You've got Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. He is Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. We're here till 1130. Bonus half hour. In that 11 o'clock half hour, we're going to be talking about the Cubs and Sox players of the decade in this town of Chicago. But right now, our next guest joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. The newest catcher for the Minnesota Twins, Alex Avila, a good friend and uh, former Cub and Sox catcher joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Alex. How are you? Doing well, Bruce. How you doing? We're we're doing good. We're uh, getting ready for the holiday season here, like everyone else. Talking a little Chicago and National Baseball. First of all, uh, your decision to join the Twins. Um, now you're sitting around the house, and you're, you're or you're going to your dad's house and your mom's house, and you sit down with the general manager of the Detroit Tigers, and you say, "Well, do I come back to the Tigers? And how much do you have to offer? How much?" Negotiation do you do with your dad about returning to the Tigers because he told me he was interested in bringing you back before you make this uh, decision to go with the Twins? Yeah, well, uh, to be honest with you, not not much uh, between myself and and my dad. I think uh, um, uh, the assistant, his assistant GM there, David Chad, did most of the negotiating with my with my age once they uh, uh, called the. Uh, to express it, you know, they want, they wanted to bring me back uh, for this year. Um, and it was also kind of right around the same time the Twins had called. And, um, you know, as far as uh, bringing me on board with them, and and uh, basically I had a decision to make um, at that point and, and just felt that the Twins was uh, was going to be a better fit. Um, but, I, I mean, I knew early on that Detroit uh, wanted to bring me back. My dad had called me. You know, kind of right before Thanksgiving, that you know, obviously everybody knew they were looking for a catcher, and um, and you know, many of the people in the organization, you know, wanted me, wanted to, to bring me back, and and that would have been that would have been a great story. Um, I think it would have been an, it, it would have been an easy decision to go back to Detroit because it's very familiar, but um, you know, the fact that the Twins were coming off a, a Central Division championship and and looking at their team, you know, I just thought it would be a better fit. So, Alex, how does saying no to your dad uh, work in, in that scenario? Is it a is it a text? Is it a phone call? Did he see the writing on the wall? Is there is there anger? Is it at Thanksgiving? I mean, what, what goes on here, Alex? <laughs> well, uh, Matt, I mean, we basically, um, you know, over the course of the, the few days, kind of, we were negotiating. Once I made my decision, I you know, I called him and said, "Look, you know, I, um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to go to the Twins," and he was. I mean, he was, you know, upset about it a little bit, but at the same time, very happy for me. I mean, it's uh, that's, I guess it's, it's kind of a strange feeling, probably for uh, for the both of us uh, a little bit. But um, you know, at the same time, that's just uh, you know part of the business of the game, and which you know I grew up watching him and my grandfather for many years in the front office. So 
you know, it's not like it's uh, uh, unfamiliar territory for us. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, we've kind of gone through this uh, process before in the off season. Um, you know, a couple of years ago when I was a free agent, so um, you know, it wasn't wasn't that big of a deal. You know, he, they had you know a, a few guys in mind as far as who they wanted behind the plate, um, and you know, and they ended up getting. Um, you know, Romine, who, you know, I know they, they liked him, you know, as much as they liked me, um, um, you know, going into the, this offseason. So I think it, uh, I think it ended up uh, good for both parties. So pass the mashed potatoes, but sorry, Dad. Yeah. I'm, I'm going over to Minnesota. Yeah. I understand. They, they understand that. Alex uh, Avila joining us on Inside the Clubhouse for a little while longer. Alex, uh, two tours of duty in Chicago, one with the White Sox, which was – Pretty much, if I remember, pretty much injury prone that year. You, you had multiple injuries to deal with. But your time with the Cubs in 2017, you came in a trade that was so essential to the Cubs uh, going to the playoffs because uh, Wilson Contreras had uh, gone on the uh, IL at that time. It was still the DL with a with a uh, hamstring injury. You came in and you did a, a fantastic job. What was that experience like for you? Well, I mean, those those few months there with the with the Cubs were uh, incredible. I mean, I mean that was the first time I've had to deal with you know being traded mid season like, um, and you know at the time you know going from uh, a team that was out of the race to a team that was in first place you know going for it and you had the fact uh, that you're you're going to such a historic franchise um, and, and a you know historic place to play. Um, with that type of atmosphere, uh, I mean, it, I was I was excited about it, and I loved every minute of it. I mean, my, me and my wife can still talk about you know some of the uh, the friends we made there um, in the Cubs organization uh, between you know the, the front office and the team, and you know just the uh, the atmosphere day in and day out. Um, you know, over the course of those few months uh, at the end of the season and the playoffs, uh, but. You know, I went in there with the with the mentality of, you know, obviously that was that's Wilson's team, and I was there to, you know, do what do whatever I could uh, to help out and help that team, you know, win the division and you know go as far as possible in the playoffs into the World Series. And um, you know, my role definitely switched once uh, Wilson went down, and you know, having to play more games, which uh, up at you know at that point, you know, wasn't unfamiliar to me, and you know, I felt really no added pressure because at that point, you know, being with Detroit for so many years, we, we went on a great run of, you know, four straight years of division championships and in the playoffs every year and, and being the catcher on those teams where you're expected to win, there's a different feeling, you know, when you're on a team that is expected to win. Um, you know, it's nice when you're that team that kind of surprises everybody, but that, that next year when everybody expects you to win, it's much more difficult. And so understanding that, that mindset that goes into, into that, um, you know, it wasn't unfamiliar to me. And uh, so, you know, I, I didn't have to put any added pressure to me. I just I understood what the situation was, and I tried to do my best, and that was really it. Will you, were you ever a part of or around a stranger, more uh, bizarre game and ending than the Game 5 of the 2017 NLDS in Washington? Uh, to me, that was... <laughs> it looked like a video game of some sort, not a real baseball game. What were your What were your perceptions and takeaways from that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, that that game, having a front row seat, 
um, you know, and, and watching that unfold, it was an incredible game to be a part of. I've, I mean, I've, I've been lucky and fortunate in my career to be a part of some incredible games, that being, I would say, top three, um, you know, games that I've been a part of. And, um, you know, the fact that it was, you know, a, a deciding game, you know, made it that much more uh, satisfying. The, the job that, that Wade Davis did, you know, for three innings Unbelievable. was yeah. was incredible. I mean, that that in itself right there was, you know, I know it fired a lot of us up in the dugout, you know, watching him go out there and do his thing, um, you know, for three innings. He, I mean, he basically reverted back to his starting days at that point. You know, uh, you know, at that point you're just, you're blowing it out, hanging it, leaving it all on the line, um, you know, in order to get that win. Um <laughs> One of the things I remember is, I mean, I think I, I ended up being like like the last man standing on the bench there, obviously being the, the second catcher, and um, but for for probably like the last five to six innings, um, the one thing I remember is obviously is going in between innings, going down in the tunnel, warming up, hitting, and getting ready just in case I had a um, going uh, to pinch run. Uh, not pinch run, a pinch hit, or do, or going for a double switch or something, whether it was going to be catching or playing a different position because the way that game was going. And I remember waking up the next day being so sore. I'm like, why am I sore? I didn't even play the game. It's like from <laughs> from uh, from, uh, from all the warming up I had to do, and from you know just the the uh, the intensity of the game, I was you know I was physically and mentally exhausting even for you know uh, a guy that wasn't even in the game. And um, you know, so it was great to be a part of. You know, so the natural follow-up, uh, if that was top three, what are the other two? Guy who played in 10 postseason series already, Alex, yeah. but but also the Armando Galarraga near-perfect game with Jim Joyce. You're the catcher in that game, right? Yeah, that that that's, uh, that was an incredible game, um, you know, behind the plate for that game. Um, my first case, actually, in, uh, um, you know, in, in the big leagues, my rookie year in 2009, we played a game one. Uh, we had to play a game one sixty three against the Twins in the Metrodome. Right. This was before Target Field opened, and um, and that was also before the second wild card. So this was, I think, this a conversation about a second wild card because it was such a fantastic game. Um, you know, going into extra innings. Actually, in that game as well, Fernando Rodney was our closer uh, for Detroit. He pitched three innings as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game going into extra innings, and it was just a back and forth game. Uh, with the Twins in the Metrodome. Never been in an environment as loud as that in the Metrodome, um, you know, a fully packed house. Yeah, hey, I agree. Um, and that game was probably one of the uh, greatest games I've, I've ever been a part of as well. Um, and, you know, I, I can't fail to mention either the uh, – we had a couple of uh, ga- uh, deciding game fives uh, against uh, the Oakland A's in the uh, ALDS back-to-back years. Um uh, in Oakland, where uh, where uh, Verlander ended up starting those games and, and absolutely uh, pitched lights out baseball uh, to clinch the the, the series and back in back to back years for us, which was uh, also incredible. Um, but yeah, you, know, you, you you said it. I, I've been uh, I've been fortunate. Alex, um, you know everywhere you've gone, and I remember talking to you when you got here with the White Sox. Just a, a kind of the maturity of growing up in the game, as you've talked about with your dad in the front office and and and, and such. You've been able to bring kind of a, a calm as well as a, a gravitas to to the clubhouse. And I wonder, 
as you've traveled around and gone team to team, how important is that kind of thing in your estimation? How important is it to have a few guys who are just, you know, solid veterans, able to communicate, willing to communicate, perhaps in a bilingual sense, like, uh, like, like is so valuable these days. How important is that as you've gone on in your career? Well, I, I think it's vital. Um, you know, especially if, if, uh, if you're a team that, you know, has aspirations to get into the playoffs, um, you know, when you have a, a, a mix of good, young, talented players and some veteran guys that have kind of been through it a little bit, um, and like you said, that are, and that are willing to, um, you know, put themselves out there uh, for the younger guys to help them along as well, it allows them to kind of reach their potentials over the course of that year, um, talent-wise, which only makes your team better. Um, you know, I think, you know, you, you could tell in, in recent postseasons and and championship teams you know there's always that that uh that that veteran guy that you know on on a team that that kind of surprises people um you know that kind of takes over this last year with Howie Kendrick I mean he had a fantastic year but you know the Nationals are not there without Howie Kendrick you know with all the star the right. stars that they have on that team so you know uh those types of guys that kind of been through it that are still productive that can help you on the field by producing, but then also, um, you know, maybe help other guys along uh, to maybe get through times um, that are, that they're struggling or help get the team through some, you know, losing streaks over the course of the year uh, is important. If you don't have a, if you don't have guys on, on your team that, that can help uh, do that from a mental standpoint uh, and help guys get through that, um, then typically you're going to dig yourself in a little bit a, a bigger hole, and, and it makes it more difficult to get out of. Um, you know, and it was done for me too when I when I first came up. You know, I, I was surrounded by veteran players when I came up with Detroit. It was a veteran team that was expected to win, so they showed me what was needed, what needed to be done on a daily basis to be prepared uh, in order to win the game, uh, or to do what you can to win that game. But then also you know, have perspective when you don't and you fail to be able to move on, learn from those mistakes and, and learn from, from those games and move on to make yourself better. And, uh, you know, it's helped me, you know, have a, 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 a nice long career. And, you know, I've, I've only felt responsible to be able to pass that knowledge along, um, you know, to, to the guys that are coming up now. So you've had this incredible career where you've caught the best literally the best pitchers of this era, okay, in the last, you know, five, seven, eight years, you've caught Scherzer, you've caught Verlander, you've caught Lester, you've caught Arietta, you've caught Granky, and you caught caught Chris Sale, okay? I mean, just think about that. And then I'm going to ask you the hardest question, which is who is the best pitcher that you've ever caught? <laughs> You're putting me on a spot now. I am. You uh, don't have to answer it. Uh, because it, it's it's a it's a, a question you can ask from year to year, and it could be a different answer each year because of the magnitude of the how great the pitchers are and what type of year they might have had. And there's so many them. different styles sure, in there sure, too. Sure. Yeah. No. There, there's there's definitely many differences between you know, all those guys. Um, I think, like you said, I mean, year to year, you know, you just pick a year and, and, uh, you know, you're, 
you know, one, you know, obviously, you know, Scherzer's really done amazing in Washington. You know, Justin's found another gear in Houston. You know, Sale is Sale. Um, I mean, I've just been fortunate. I don't know if I could, I could name one because I, I think there's been times when I've caught all of them where I feel like they've been the best pitcher I've ever caught. Right. Um, and um, you know, that's that's what makes it you know extremely satisfying for me, but at the same time, kind of difficult to answer your question there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if anybody's had the opportunity to catch as many great pitchers as you have in such a short period of time. It's pretty amazing. I don't imagine you've thought about it, but you know, when you're in the moment and you see these Cy Young Award winners and guys that are going to go to the Hall of Fame eventually, and then you know that you had an instrumental part in some of those important games, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I mean, it was. it's definitely been amazing. And like I said, I mean, I feel very fortunate to be in the right position at the right time to be able to catch those guys. But those guys would be great, you know, regardless. Whoever is catching them, they're going to be great. You know, those are those types of pitchers. I'm just glad that, you know, I had the opportunity to, to, to be back there, um, you know, for, for – some of those victories that those guys have been able to get but um you know like like you said it was uh uh amazing to be able to do that and um you know i'm i'm looking forward to maybe being able to catch a few more great ones too that's that's outstanding hey alex uh, happy holiday season to you and your family congrats on the new deal with the twins we're going to see you at least three times uh, with the White Sox, when the Twins and the White Sox play this year, looking forward to it. Matt and I appreciate it. Have a great holiday season, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. You guys have a happy holidays as well. Alex, thanks you much. too. Thanks so much. That's Alex Avila. Such yeah. an interesting guy. I, I, I could talk about each one of those pitchers from his perspective because he's so interesting and thoughtful. Like I, I think Granke artistically is a genius as a pitcher. Yeah, but think about the competitive juices that flow when you watch a Verlander, when you watch a Scherzer, uh-huh. when you watch Sale, yeah. when you watched Arietta, when you watched Lester. These guys, beyond their stuff, are special because of those other intangibles as far as what they bring intensity-wise on that particular day. Absolutely. Um, and But some are more cerebral than others. Like I think a Verlander is a guy with the stuff yeah. and the cerebral nature. Yeah, yeah, same thing with Granke. But but his stuff has decayed a little bit, and he's yeah, still but, doing what he does. Yeah, but I mean, he's he got that. You know, it's like I'm getting you out. Yeah. You know, I don't care if I'm throwing 88 or 94. I'm getting you out, and here's how I'm going to do it. And you know, you see that extreme confidence in guys like those guys, and a guy like Granky, who. His best stuff may be behind him, but might have another five years left on his career. Yeah, you know, Greinke was so brilliant in that World Series game. I, I was rooting actively against the Astros the entire series, and then I watched Greinke, and I'm like, all right, come on, let's get this guy a win, because he was just so brilliant to watch. In yeah, they'll series. be second-guessing him being taken out forever there now. Ah, as, as, as they should. Those poor Astros. I know. <laughs> Most of the league feels really bad for them. 670 the score is where you are we got some new rules to talk about here bruce uh managers have responded uh, to questions about the three pitcher or the, excuse me the three batter rule and and i that one really interests me and i know there's a couple others yeah yeah we're gonna about talk well. about that everything chicago baseball too at 312-644-6767 to join matt and me here for the rest of the time we're on to 11 30 
We're going to have some fun with you until then, and then the NFL here on The Score. Bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Want to skate on All-State Arena's ice? The Chicago Wolves are hosting a free skate after tonight's 7 p.m. game against the Texas Stars. For tickets, go to ChicagoWolves.com. Bruce Levine, the three-batter rule is going to happen right the hell now. You like it? I do like it. I do like it. It, it does not kill strategy to me. It changes strategy to me. It, it removes specialists a little bit more. It uh, raises the value of a decent reliever that can get out guys from both sides, forces you to have relievers who can think more than just attacking in one specific way. And I think late in games, especially in the postseason, we're not going to see five pitching changes in, in an inning. Yeah, uh, you know, Looking at it the way you presented it, it all makes a lot of sense until the eighth or ninth inning. And then that's when managers really want to match up against the very best hitters that are on the field, that are on the bench, and the game is on the line. And that changes the dynamic totally for me. So in general, I agree with all the principles of what you just talked about. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to you know having to face you know the best hitters in the game, whether you're facing Trout from the right side whether you're facing, uh, you know, Harper from the left side, uh, whether you're able to bring on a specialist before that for the right-handed pitchers, it does change the the kind of the dynamic of the game. All those things don't always work out. I mean, you bring in a left-hander for Harper, he, he can hit a home run just as easily as making out. But the the essence of um, matching up for managers, especially guys like Joe Madden who. Uh, are are huge in matching up lefty righty. Uh, that that's different. And then the producing of these particular type of pitchers for your farm system and for your team on a particular year, that dynamic changes as well. Yeah. So. To go back to the, the first half of your point about the matchups, you, you, a lot of times these days, uh, managers and front officers are trying to match up the correct pitching angle against the correct swing plane or vice versa. So we've seen things like, you know, when Justin Grimm or Carl Edwards would be a guy trusted to get out a lefty for the Cubs because their curveball, which dropped 12 to six, you know, or cut in a little bit was just as effective sometimes against lefties. So they would call it, boy, those splits are are, are opposite as opposite splits. That's the kind of thought process that we're going to need to see more of that. They're going to have to use more of. So it's, it, it, sometimes I think guys are slaves to handedness and it's not necessarily the best matchup anyway. And then, you know, you're, you're going to be using guys for a whole inning. So that changes also usage uh, during a particular week. That's for sure. Uh, and so, and, and then we roll from that Matt to the other rule, which is every team, one of the other rules, every team can only have 13 pitchers, right? And if you have five starters, that means that it's automatic that you only have eight relief pitchers. So that in itself mm-hmm. is a change. A lot of a lot of teams like the Cubs were going to nine at certain times during the year. So now the 26-man rule is the other rule that comes in. Every team this year is going to have one extra guy, but it's not going to be one extra pitcher. It's going to be automatic because you have only 13 pitchers allowed on your staff to be a position player. Does that mean that teams like the Chicago White Sox now, for a prime example, can carry three catchers. And t- and can Collins be that third catcher on your team now because you have the 26th man and it cannot be a pitcher? 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. I you know to your point about the usage, Joe Girardi had said, I worry about people using their better relievers too much. Because there's youth in bullpens, guys that may, might not be ready for the eighth and ninth. Sometimes may want to give those guys eighth and ninth inning guys a day off. That's a concern of mine. Um, Ron Gardenhire's response might have been my favorite. Can we talk about that after a few cocktails? Says Gardenhire. <laughs> there was a lot of conversation about that. A lot of managers still trying to figure out how to do it. Joe Madden came out firmly against it. Does not like it. I think it's um, it's easier to defend yourself as a manager when you can make every one of those changes every time it's, it is going to open them up to some more scrutiny and like a yeah, deeper of level of strategic scrutiny. Of course, but, but it will eventually change the way that general managers and uh, scouts and farm system people look at, obtain, develop and use pitchers. Because like you said, I mean, you know, the, the, the checks and people like that, that only, are used to get right-handers out. You know, the, the, the specialists are going to be eliminated. Now, my other question to you, Matt, is how do you uh, defend against a pitcher coming in, getting his one man out, and then saying, gee, my arm is really killing my me. My arm, it's broken. Uh, I can't pitch to this next guy. You're going to have to bring in a left-hander to replace him. Uh, <laughs> well, he's... That he is allowed to leave the game if he's hurt. Sure, but then I think you're you're probably going to see like, all right, well then he has to be on the injured list. Well, that, that's that's another you know that's another <laughs> dynamic they haven't dealt with, or uh, you know, oh he's feeling much better today. I think we can use him again. In the last two minutes of a football game, or the half, if a guy goes down and is hurt. Usually, I think I know there's rules in place. Either you're subject to a ten uh, a ten second runoff, and you have to miss a play. Yeah, like you, you can't just lie down and have them stop right. stop the clock and then get up and say, no, you know what, I'm fine now. No, you got to get off the damn right. field and miss but a play. But there, there is other interesting strategy. Like you get the first two guys out, mm-hmm. you're a right-hander, and you have Harper coming up. You can walk him. That's your third batter. Absolutely. And then if the next guy's a left-hander, you're, you're, you're – Manager can bring in a left hand. I think you're going to see an increase in intentional walks, right. Bruce, which should increase action right. and increase the possibility for runs being scored. So there's going to be a byproduct there, too. The other thing is, if you get out of the inning, it's over. So, like, maybe you'll see pitching changes happen less with only one out. Maybe so. Yeah, but again, the type of pitchers and uh, being able to use them in different ways, that, that's going to be the interesting uh, science for every manager that's now using his pitching staff. So uh, maybe it won't be as significant as we think. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, 13 pitchers, you're locked into that. Uh, every team has five starters. So uh, unless they start manipulating the fifth starter, he gets hurt. Now, pitchers, here's another new rule. Yeah. Pitchers are now on 15 day ILs, or, or ten, 10 days. 15. Right? I thought it was no. They're changing all pitchers. Oh, that's right. To I, if you go on the IL, it's for 15 days, and that is because the brilliant Andrew Friedman's and people like that have manipulated the 10. Yeah. The 10. So therefore, uh, if you're if you're messing around with your with your bullpen, uh, you, you know the guy that you want to use for a week at a time, right? He, he's if he goes on the IL, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to use him for two weeks. So yeah, the, yeah. That, so they're 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 trying to handle, they're trying to you know orchestrate all these 
little things from uh, being manipulated. Yeah, I, I didn't have any problem with guys using the 10-day IL for exactly that because so many times you hear, you know, we got to skip this guy a start, just one start just to give, give his arm a blow. That's, that's what that's for. Right. Why, why, why have to pretend that you're doing right. something but, else? But there? the Freedmans who built up six, seven, eight starting pitchers in their organization were using that as a uh, taxi squad. You know, to, okay, we're going to shuffle him off to the IL for 10 days. We're going to bring this other guy back, and we're, we're going to get starts from this guy, this guy, and this guy. Oh, and, oh by the way, he's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. So the manipulation of guys being hurt or not really being hurt uh, will be tested more now because of the 15-day IL for pitchers. How'd you like to be Derek Shelton of the Pirates? You've never managed in the National League to begin with, and now you've got to manage with this three batter rule. It's like there's there's a learning curve for some of these guys. It's going to be ugly for a little while. Yeah, I mean you're going to really have to manage, and in the National League you have to manage a little bit more anyway. Yes, you, you do know, because some of the things are right there for you with the DH and your your pitcher of, of record at that particular point. Uh, we have a lot more to uh, talk about here on this. Other topics, we encourage more of your calls. We're going to take them at 312-644-6767. And then bonus time here for the extra half hour where we're going to be talking between now and the bottom of the hour, your Chicago player of the decade for both the White Sox and Cubs. This segment is brought to you by Lakeside Bank. The holiday season is here. This is the time to be with family and to celebrate traditions. The folks at Lakeside Bank come from every tradition and from all corners of Chicago. So from everyone at Lakeside Bank to all of Chicago, warmest wishes for a happy and healthy holiday. Right back with your phone calls on the score. Bottom of the hour was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Want to skate on All-State Arena's ice? The Chicago Wolves are hosting a free skate after tonight's 7 p.m. game against the Texas Stars. For tickets, go to chicagowolves.com. Let's go to the phones. This is Don in Burr Ridge on the score. Good morning, Don. How are you? I, I got to say, every Saturday morning, I listen to you guys' favorite show of the week. Gotta Thank love, you. Got to love talking it. baseball. Thanks. That's the old show. Talking we are talking baseball. baseball. We are Klazuski, Campanella. Yeah. So I, I, I got a couple questions and a couple <laughs> thoughts. So the, so the Cubs are talking about trading Bryant. Uh, the, the only teams that um, they, they're going to trade him to have nothing to give back for a third baseman. So if they turn around and trade Bryant, they're going to have a big hole at third base. Not necessarily. You, you don't like David Bodie? Uh, no, not necessarily. Yeah. If, if they tend up trading with the Braves, Austin Riley might be a guy that comes back. And you trust Austin Riley? I, I do not. That, that's just my thought. Right. Anyways, um, how the team set up, do you think that the Cubs have a viable chance to win the World Series, how they're set up right now? I say no. I, I actually think that they should trade a lot of their players, and, and it would be very hard to trade them because of fan favorites. Um, I think that the Cubs could trade um, Bryant to the Dodgers, kind of do a three-way. Um, Bryant to the Dodgers, they'll get like Urias and, and um, Jack Peterson back, get Peterson over to Yankees, get Urshela for a third baseman. Just – yeah, I mean, guys like Peterson have one year left before they're a free agent. Yeah, uh, and I'm, they're considering all sorts of things, trying yeah, to find a way and to you be know what you're, and, and thanks for your call. Your, your thoughts are, are good because I think at some point during this offseason or even at the end of last year, Epstein and Horace sat down and said, maybe we should trade a bunch of them. 
maybe we should reload our farm system because we haven't been able to do that mm-hmm. with seven to ten players who are on the cusp of being viable, important major league players. And maybe that's how we we approach the next two or three or four years of our regime here. There are two realities in play. One is the competitive balance tax that we've talked about. The other is what you just said in that the next three, four years, we're looking beyond 2021. I think a lot of us thought about all these guys leading up to 2021, and that's the window. So you sure. just go for it, go for it, go for it every year. They're actually looking towards the long-term health of right. the organization, and that ties into the competitive debt balance tax as well. And, and Matt, we don't know if Mr. Ricketts has told Epstein, Hoyer, that here is not only your payroll threshold for this year, yeah. but here's your projection for the next three or four or five. Right. And and if if they do get under the tax, as desired this year, then they could conceivably go over the tax next year. They can, but you know what players are going to be left? And you're one year away from all your big foot players being free agents. Well, some of some people you could sign for the extensions at that point, right? And Lester, you've got Lester money going away. Lester and Quintana are gone, right? Uh, I mean, you have an option on Lester at twenty five million. But Lester and Quintana are basically gone after 2020. Mm-hmm. So that money will go away. But this idea that they're looking at it holistically beyond 2021 is a big thing for people to accept because I don't think it was the widespread belief for a while. But remember, Tom Ricketts was on this station with Mully and Haw, and he said, you know, this whole idea of a window, I don't really buy into the window. I want to be competitive every year. Right. So that's the message. want to be, but the, the next part of his mes- message was – we need to find a way to do it from the players that we have in our organization, not to be going outside. Uh, yeah, yeah two, I guess two separate answers that I was thinking about from, from Ricketts, but the, this idea that like they want to be competitive every year as opposed to being really good, really good, really good, and then falling off the table completely. They're trying to avoid that, where they fall off the table completely. Right, and, you know, and the $16, $22, 25000000 million buy-ins for a long period of time with free agents and locking yourself into situations that are – not necessarily one for being long-term competitive and long-term flexibility in your structure. This is Mike in Evanston on 670 The Score. What's up, Mike? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. You know, it's a little disappointing. and I feel a little a little duped um, by the front office when, you know, Theo made his, his uh, State of the Union back in 2011, 2012, stating that they want to win with homegrown players. Well, all those homegrown players are pretty much – you know, the, the young farm system pretty much gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, they traded Eloy. They traded. Are they? You know what? Let Scott me interrupt Ford. you for a second. Of, I, okay. I know we've got still have Baez and yeah. Schwarber and Brian, but still. Let me interrupt you, you for a second, okay? And then you can continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, he also said that we're going to grow a homegrown talent not only for our team, but for right. being able to use. So, yeah, so that, that. that's a distinction we have to make. But continue on with your thought. Yeah. Well, my thought is this. With that, coupled with really bad two off seasons, and this year being another bad off season, they put us in a huge hole. I mean, look at it. All the dead money they have is, you know, preventing us from signing a, a guy like Castellanos, who, who could be a huge piece going forward. And what would it really take to for the Cubs to clear on the books to, to sign Castellanos? Do you think it would be possible that the Cubs maybe make a deal with him to do a one-year deal, you know, no. with uh, – with the possibility of saying, okay, you know, we'll sign you on this one-year deal so we can afford you this year. No, I mean, this year. is his time. This is his time to make his money. 
Yeah, well, the Cubs have really – I mean, we're looking at a dead season this year. If they can't yeah. – you know, if they can't trade any of these guys, I mean, it's, to me it's a wash almost because their pitching is not great. Now, you know, you got an older Lester. you got, you know, the league slowly catching up to Hendricks. Quintana, you know, forget about it. Um, you know, hopefully they can bring up a guy like Braylon Marquez and see what he can do, you know. Um, near the end of this yeah, season. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, the left-hander of the future for them. That's what they're thinking. So. Boy, it's such a depressing place you know, for so uh, many Cubs you know, fans. The, the, I understand it, Matt, people. Matt, the structure of the outfield and the production of the outfield really doesn't match up well. And it's basically around the, the, the Jason Hayward contract. $21 million for a, a guy that you cannot ask to play center field on a full-year basis. No, so he so he has to be in a corner, and he doesn't produce like a corner outfielder needs to no, produce. No, he doesn't. And you know what? He had, for what for what he has in his game now, pretty good year. It, was, it was a pretty good year, but not, not enough. Mm-hmm. No, there's not enough production there as far as run production goes. There's, there's not enough. And there's not enough from center field. And then you have Schwarber, who had a breakout year, and that's really good. But he has to stay in left field. At this point, they have desperately needed young, cheap labor of their own creation to be excellent. Well, that's what, you know, that's what... And it's not happening. Th- that's what, um, you know, Ian Happ was supposed to Correct. be. Correct, what Albert Almora was that's supposed what, to be. And, and they have not been able to get above that level and c- continue their player development to satisfactory area. I mean, we, we saw Almora deteriorate to the point where he wasn't even a good defensive player in the second half right. last year, which is incredible because he was a very reliable and a very above average center fielder for the Chicago Cubs yeah. in all this time here. Now he was getting the balls and dropping them. I mean, it was just, it was incredible to watch him go down the other way and to be an excellent full team even if you're a big market behemoth you need that cheap young talent look at the yankees everybody yeah. gets hurt and they bring up player after player after player yeah. that contributed look yeah. at the the national uh, yes ursula ursula you know all these guys that uh were uh fantastic contributors uh even to a, a large extent the free agent signing of lemayu which was the best free agent signing mm-hmm. Of 2019, and the fact that it was only like what eight million dollars a year—a bargain. Considering. I mean, you know, so these things, as you point out very well, Matt, they have to happen for you to have the flexibility to get other things done. Right. I've referenced Juan Soto and Victor Robles making less than a million dollars for the Nationals a yeah. bunch of times. You know that kind of stuff. You just, you just. It, there's it, the value cannot be um, overstated. Uh, let's quickly take Chris in Bucktown before we take a break on the score. What's up, Chris? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. I was a um, fan of your show, and I had one question that I've, that's been on my mind ever since the Nomar uh, Mazzara trade happened. Do you guys do you guys think with them making that move, it's kind of a way to patch the hole, so to speak, in order to try and make a run at uh, Mookie Betts later on? Oh, he's got Mookie Betts dreams for the White Sox. Well, you know, the likelihood of Mookie Betts being traded – probably in July rather than now, it's probably 50-50, wouldn't you say? I mean, how many people are taking the one-year buy-in now as opposed to the two-month buy-in when you know where you're at and you know if you're competitive to win or go deep into the playoffs? And, you could get, and you'll get away with paying less. You might. Probably. You, you might, but, I mean, it's, you'll You'll have a firmer idea of where you are. Right. So, I, I mean, that, that, that's interesting. But, 
I mean, I think the White Sox and a lot of teams would be in on bets then, but not now. Well, it, I don't, I'm not sure if he was talking about going for bets as a free agent next year, but I think you've proven that it's uh, it can be difficult to close on your top targets if you are the White Sox. You know, a- adding important players in July, that's, you know, I think you can get more than people think for a guy like Betts then, maybe even compared to right now, you know, for that one-year buy-in where you don't know – if your team is going to start off like the Nationals and be 19 and 31 after a third of the season. That's that's the guy, by the way. If, uh, if, if Theo was allowed to choose, who would you like to pay? Between Betts, Bryant, Baez, Contreras, yeah, I mean, Rizzo, he, it's Betts. Sure, because that's he, why I, I, he, he answers uh, two of your, your big yes. huge question marks over the last three and years. And they drafted him in the fifth round, have loved him. So we're, we're going to go with you the rest of the way on your Chicago Players of the Decade. White Sox and Cubs, give us a list of your Chicago Players of the Decade. Matt and I have ours. We'll share them with you at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 67011. PropSwap is where America buys and sells legal sports bets. Before you make your next bet, be sure to check out PropSwap.com to see what's up for sale. Guaranteed better odds than any local bookie can offer. All season long, PropSwap customers have been snatching up 200 to 1. Yes, 200 to 1 Lamar Jackson to win MVP tickets. Now, those tickets are just about ready to cash. Go to PropSwap.com right now to Find which long shot is up for sale next. Find the best odds in the world right now on PropSwap.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 